If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd This is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of Fanboy Planet, and this is the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Uh, with me, as always, producing from Northern California, Rick Brett Snyder. Yes, and uh, we live in uh, miraculous times. So, uh, of course, before we get into the top story, which is kind of, don't let me misconstrue this, sort of a recreation of a panel you were on at Worldcon in Chicago two weeks ago. I moderated the panel in Chicago. You moderated the panel. Yeah. Okay, so there we go. We're going to, I'm just for uh, hoping that DC uh, forgets that they had this as a trademark title. Uh, we're going to call this Canceled Comics Cavalcade. But before we get there, of course, I want to say that, you know, we are going to talk about things that we that we loved uh, and so forth. And, and, and if there are books that we talk about that you cannot find uh, at your local brick and mortar store, uh, you know, and, but they are available in print somehow, uh, you know, we are an Amazon affiliate and there will be links on the page for this podcast to some of the things we talk about. Uh, and as an Amazon affiliate, that means that any purchase you make through a link on that page or any other page on Fanboy Planet, including the search box, could generate uh, revenue to help support Fanboy Planet and this podcast. And of course, if then you, after this conversation, you have something you'd like to suggest, you know, please join the conversation. Uh, you can write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com with your comments, questions, commentary, criticism, and the other thing, and compliments. Oh, Lordy, I do love the compliments, but I also appreciate the criticism. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. I realize, too, that uh, you know that is probably the best way to know when we have updated the the site other than you know if you are listening to this on apple podcasts or a podcatcher that alerts you hey the, the podcast is up but any articles any content it, it all gets posted to facebook too so that you you know it's it's happening um you can also follow us on twitter and on instagram all at fanboyplanet dot or no it's just at fanboyplanet it's not dot com it's just at fanboyplanet silly b Okay, uh, so there, we've got into it. So let's talk about Cancelled Comics Cavalcade. Uh, we're going to begin with with comics that we wish would come back? Yes. I sounded so uh, so teen girl there. I apologize. I ended on a question. I ended on a question? Okay, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was a question. So, um, Okay, so you want me to go first with my first one? Yeah, I don't have a formal... But, okay. but, you know, I, but I know you had a list ready because you moderated a panel. Sure, sure, sure. The first one I had has come back several times and often to different levels of uh, quality maybe or um, involvement. But I sure would like to see um, Warlock, as in Adam Warlock, come back as his own magazine. Um, maybe 
more like it was in the second iteration, not the original Counter Earth one, but the one where he he was fighting like the in betweener and and concept concept villains, um, and had a great artist or two at that time besides Jim Starlin. Um, so Adam Warlock, uh, you know, we had so many great characters uh, that are have shown up in the Marvel uh, cinematic universe. Univer- university <laughs> universe that, well they are well, taking us to school yes yeah well you had gamora for example and we've we got a brief glimpse of troll the pip a uh, pip the troll troll the pip <laughs> troll the pip well that's what we're going to do that's, later that's with our online the new segment troll the pip. yes <laughs> so uh but i just love the character i love i love the way the parts of the marvel universe he fits into and uh the fact that it wasn't always like him just fighting the villains. Sometimes they'd talk about philosophies and um, that might be it. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that's an interesting one because um, the Warlock saga is a classic for a reason. It stands, you know, it, to me, and I'm sure it is to you too, it's up there with Kirby's Fourth World Saga. And oh yeah, if anything, it's actually better written than Kirby's Fourth World Saga. Uh, but that's just because you know Kirby scripting. Let's face it, brilliant mind, and the dialogue is terrible. Uh, but I, uh, I think one of the things that makes that so classic should note to that me, Kirby did invent Adam Warlock too. So did he? Yeah, it was in the Fantastic. Oh, Four. right, because he was him. Yeah, in Fantastic Four. Yes. Yep. And when I say him, I do literally mean that was what he was called. That was Fantastic his Four. name was a pronoun. Was him. Uh, and he dispensed uh, erectile dysfunction medicine to uh, <laughs> everyone in the Marvel Universe. What you don't have those for him commercials in, uh-huh. in Northern uh-huh. California? No, we don't. I don't. I, what is this disease you're talking about? Uh, no, no, I, no, no, no. I, I, I don't know. I just see the ads. <laughs> okay, uh, please. No. Anyway, uh, I, I, I forgot that. So, but Starlin's the one that made it. Uh, you know, a saga. Yeah. But I think what what gives it to me to me gives it resonance is that it had an ending. And when he came back... Well, it had an ending. You're talking about when his soldier was removed and he was he had been mm-hmm. absorbed by it. Yeah. Yeah. An ending and, as much as anything in the Marvel Universe has an ending. Well, right. But that's, yeah. but, but, you know, that's the thing, is I, I, I think that he has come back to diminishing returns. Though some great talent has worked on some of the comebacks. You know, like Greg Pak wrote, wrote a miniseries with Warlock. That was, you know, it was pretty cool. But it, everything is just kind of in the shadow of, you know, it, it's, it's just like when DC tried to uh, do the, re, you know, return of the new gods. And every time they've tried to do the new gods since, it doesn't last very long for one reason or another. Perhaps it's like the economy, you know, whatever. But it, it still comes down to nobody quite gets it like the person that created it, you know, and, or and in Warlock's case, I'm going to I'm going to default to Starlin. Because Kirby Start gave him the idea, gave him the character that became Warlock, but it was really Starlin that did that. Um, you know, because, and, and as you talk about the philosophy, I think you know that was followed through in. That was the beauty of the kind of Coda epilogue connected was the death of Captain Marvel, because then Thanos, right? You know, came uh, had been turned to stone and came back to life on the Soul Plane, if you will, right. to. One last fight. Uh, to give one last fight to counsel 
Captain to Council Marvell. And you know, when I was in high school and that first graphic novel came out, that blew my mind oh, and yeah. still, you know, stands out. But again, and now from from the vantage point of my age, do I get to mention? I'm going to force it in here. It is your birthday, so it is you know, my birthday. If you're listening, I know it'll probably. I be was well after, out of high school when I read that. Uh, it would be novel. after Rick's birthday, but you know, sing it to yourself. Sing the song uh, to Rick, and we'll feel the energy over the next week. But thank you. But yes, you're welcome. And here we're talking about a death day. But that's you know that 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 was I think what made it so important. Even now, and if people have forgotten it, is that uh, he died. There have been tricks to bring Marvell back, but he has still remained essentially dead. This has been one that I've watched quite a bit, and I don't even know the 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 only thing that I would call a trick is the the idea that he had a clone son named Genesis. Oh, Genesis, 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 Marvell. Yeah. No, 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 I don't call that the trick. There was one point where they brought him out of time. Oh, they plucked yeah. him from his timeline, yeah. and so, but it still made his his death still stood yes. as final. Yeah, and I and I, I think you know, I, you know again, the fact the fact that that Captain Marvel is not on my list is just out of respect for that death because I, I, I loved know, I, I loved I, that series. I hated seeing the original series. The original series had gone away, and mm-hmm. and then they did the graphic novel. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just, it, it's very powerful. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, that's how I feel about the warlock saga. So, Your turn. yes, Your turn. Oh, it's my turn. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with one that I'm afraid just might not work. Okay. In, uh, no, no, no. Uh, let me, let me explain why. Uh, I think that one of the most charming and strangely experimental books that, uh, DC did in the 80s was one called Amazing Man. That's yeah. amazing, not yeah. Amazing Man, amazing uh, but man. by Stephen Stefano. And I, uh, it kind of, uh, you know, it, it melted my heart. I was like the Winter Warlock, you know, the the uh, the college student who is starting to listen to The Cure a lot. Uh, a lot of punk and a lot of new wave a couple years too late because that's that's my mo i'm always just a little too late to the party but i'm not too late to pick up the attitude and and then you read amazing man which even also uh you know references uh billy joel songs and with a couple brenda and eddie and he sort of plays out the the story there with a a, a dog-faced friend and, and actually the the, the dog-faced boy is the one who uh, who really narrates it's his point of view and there's not a great explanation for amazing man except he's this little guy that found this helmet with an m on it yeah and decided he must fight crime amazing huh that was the explanation <laughs> and and i loved just the charm of it and it was one of those a rare book in a main in I guess at the time, you know, post-crisis mainstream DC universe running counter to everybody was going grim and gritty. And then there's this book yeah. uh, that is about life's not bad if you just stop to care about people. And I know that's kind of the message of superheroes in general, but 
you know, we're, we're really there for the fighting, you know, and, and this was never, there was never any super action. This was just slice of life with a guy who thought he was a superhero and didn't do anything with it. And, but it was, you know, so at least a, a collection, something I'd love to see come back. And why I say, I just don't know that it, well, maybe it would with DC now when they clearly, there are corners of continuity that I guess matter. Uh, you know, as I noticed again, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, latest issue came out uh, yesterday. And, you know, so there are these things. I So maybe there is room on the stands again to do something uh, that like that, that uh, just reminds you that we should just be decent. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of decent, um, an older imprint not not dc or marvel originally although i think it did end up at dc yeah it did uh thunder agents yeah uh, a crew of superheroes uh each one empowered by use of a uh of a specific object a belt a helmet um a, a suit um an a- android body uh who, no man. who yes. are fighting not only super villains, but spies. It's actually a spy agency with very flashily dressed spies who, uh, who are um, constantly at, at war with the, uh, I can't remember the name of the, uh, I think there were a couple of different agencies they fought. I think there were. I did some brief research on this over yeah. the summer for yeah. a trivia contest, and uh, I think it's that confusing. There was like a race of mole men or something like that was the original villains and then there was oh the iron maiden um but the the agents were uh dynamo no man mentor uh oh who was the fast one who was the speedster lightning okay lightning and each one of them like lightning's lightning's actually was killing him as he used it um as he used his power um Right, but, yeah. but it was. Uh, it, it's been. It's had at least three iterations. Uh, the original one. Um, oh, now I can't remember the name of the original. Was it? Wasn't Carl? It was Tower. 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 Right. 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 Wally Woods, because uh, we say right. it was created by the giant Wally Wood. Uh, it was brought back in the early '80s by an independent publisher. Right that I don't think published anything else and they didn't publish much of it, but I did have that black and white first issue. Right. That included Raven. And, and it then? was, I think it was the debut of Mark Texera as an artist. I think and, you're right. And then DC had it. Actually, there was one before that. And I think, and I think Archie had it for a while. Omni magazine had, they did one issue. Oh, I missed Omni. Okay. Yeah. Omni magazine had a spinoff for, for, um, for Thunder Agents, and the same size as Omni Magazine was, same quality ads and everything. I have I have the issues. I know where it is, but I can't unearth it easily. Is it in the same county as you right now? It is in the same county. Because I just have this vision of you having stashes of comics all around the country. Well, yeah, the, but the ones that matter yeah. to me are right here. So Thunder Agents would be would be one that I'd want to bring back. I that was just a fun book, um, and Wally Wood Wally Wood just can do no wrong as far as uh, sculpting characters in a comic book. Right, but I mean we wouldn't get him we wouldn't get Wally Wood, but we get somebody good. 
because oh, this and is there all are my plenty. imagination. Huh? And, and, and there are plenty of, of artists now. I mean, you oh, know, yeah. that, that uh, I, but it is good that I would say like, you know, well, he was Wally. I think I've read that he actually hated being called Wally, but everybody did. Mm. Uh, Wallace Wood um, was such an amazing artist because I, I just picked up and I'm not saying, cause I know this book still sporadically exists. Uh, Captain action, you know, um, IDW just gathered the DC issues. I just and, got the collection. Yeah. And I was reading through that and uh, I, I just you know, had to stop and, you know, stare at some panels of just like how solid that work was in the sixties and especially at DC, you know, um, so, which does then remind me, I'm probably going to go a lot of DC, uh, that I would love to see done correctly, and I think this kind of gets into your other thing, is uh, I, I would love to see a revival of the Inferior Five. Yes, and you're going to agree with me that the last iteration oh, that was, was terrible. horrific, yes. It okay. was it, you know, and and I I think I understood what they were doing. Again, you know, we how we were just talking about trade trademarks before we started recording. Uh, you know, trademark, uh, you know, saving the protecting the trademark, and I think that's why they did an inferior five. But, Probably, but why not in this time just attempt a humor book yeah. that's straightforward, a humor book. This is a because there's never been a better time. Uh, heck, I just you could do, uh, it, you could do a TV show. There's one character is problematic. What? There's one character is problematic. Uh, you think Dumb Bunny is problematic? Yep, I think it is. You'd you'd have to you'd have to that character would need a very sincere and and careful touch. And I think that I think that that's possible. Yeah. Um, you know, there were interesting things uh, about her. Yes, I know a very stereotypical character in the '60s, or come up with some some other name for her and some other issue that made her not particularly competent as a hero. Um, she was related to Angel of Angel and the Ape. Later, the Phil Foglio retconned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't originally, although they were at the same time, right? Uh, contemporary books, uh, Bob Oxner, and I can't remember. Who was I guess maybe it was E. Nelson Bridwell um, that were writing these, or Bob Kaniger were writing these humor books. So you had uh, Stanley and his monster, Angel yeah. and the Ape, and, Sugar and, and Spike, Sugar and Spike, and and you had the Inferior Five. And the thing is, to me right now, uh, it's like the upcoming Black Adam film when you when I realized they don't have to waste a minute explaining who the justice society is because we've been living with, with superhero movies for so long that everybody who would go to see a movie with Dwayne Johnson called black Adam (laughs) just accepts there. Of course there are other heroes, you know, I mean, we're at that point. Nobody needs that explanation. Right. Yeah. Why is he flying? How can he fly? Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm I'm leaning towards is I would just like unironic, unabashedly funny books that aren't, and they can be a little bit satirical. But I think this that last revival, which was Keith Giffen, uh, and and uh, Jeff Lemire, was just it was just weird, and it didn't sell well. Did you ever read the last issue of it? No. Like they got canceled. 
before they could even and, and the pandemic hit. So the last issue is really just self-referential about how they don't get to tell the story they wanted to tell. Yeah. So it doesn't make any, you know, it's not even worth, I saw a trade paperback did appear. And believe me, people, it's not worth picking up the trade paperback. And I hate to say that because those are two great creators. But that was, you know, a bummer. Anyway, go ahead. Well, my next one we've talked about quite recently, and uh, it's going to be no surprise. Um, from uh, from CrossGen, the little comic company that was and may it be again. got swallowed by a mouse, yes. got swallowed. I, it swallowed by a mouse, which also swallowed a Marvel. And, well, it's and, interesting. And they got mixed up in the intestines. Yeah, I was recreating the timeline uh, a few weeks ago, just like to remind myself. And and Disney bought CrossGen first. Yeah, which is just like in my mind, it was like, well, I remember when when Marvel published a few, and I'm like, oh no, 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 yeah, it was it was they bought CrossGen strictly for another one that I'd like to see revived. But I'll let you identify yours first. Ruse, mm-hmm. which which had it only had it it when I looked this up. I was surprised that it had as many issues as it did because it had 26 issues. Um, and then um, uh, some spinoffs that I never even saw. There was uh, a spinoff called Archard's, Archard's Agents. Um, I, I do recall that. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's in that research. There was a lot more to CrossGen than people might know. Or, or were able to get in their comic book shop. Well, yeah, yeah that too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ruse is a, it's an alternate earth and I'm reading Brandon Sanderson now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sanderson writes in a, uh, in a universe called the Cosmere, which a number of his series that are not otherwise connected have some, can have some tenuous, more Cockian style connections. Um, that um, um, are we allowed to say that on a family podcast? More I think cocky? Michael coined it himself, didn't he? Okay, I, okay. I don't know. I'm just saying, uh, is it, you know. So, um, all right, you heard it. So, Lon Lopez is making the joke right now. In, I just want you to know that. In your head, he's in your head. I can't um, get it out. I know. <laughs> so the the thing about Ruse is he's a tech, uh, he's a uh, Sherlock Holmes style detective in a world uh, in a in a, uh, what would you call it, Edwardian style? Um, it's late Victorian. Late, late or, Victorian. You know, yeah. But that, where, where there's magic and it's accepted and um, and there are there are some long term storylines in this in this book that actually don't come to completion. There's some reveals in the last issue. Uh, I would and the who was it who picked it up? Was it Marvel picked it up for? A short series, yeah, they revived it. I think it ended up being a six-issue miniseries. Yeah, which and, which didn't have a lot of the same spark, and it didn't. Well, continue. you know, I mean, the thing is, we are nostalgic. Like it's back to Warlock. I think we're nostalgic for uh, a fantastic run by the original creators, Mark yeah. Wade and Jackson Geis. Yep, those were that was a dynamic team. It was a dynamite run, and then Mark Wade left. He got mad. Uh, is Jackson different than Bruce? 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 But no, the same guy. Butch? He okay. changed his name back to Jackson. Butch. So it's okay. Butch Geist. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. he started in comics as Butch. You're quite right. Okay. Um, 
and I can't remember who picked up afterwards. I think maybe the artist was Paul Pelletier, who was not bad at all. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but but you know, I, I didn't I didn't hate it. I was happy to have it in my hand. I kept on hoping it was going to get better, um, and then nothing since then. And now they're going to do a reprint. Uh, Marvel will right. There's going to be a little anthology book that reprints for first issues to keep issues. the trademark alive. And yeah. Well, because look at it. You know, I mean, it is one of those things that. You also have to look around at IP, and because I'm going to be, you know, I am constantly brutally honest. I just, uh, I just took a new coworker out to lunch, who apologized to me. Like, why would you apologize? It's not that I'm that imposing. But yeah, I've just never read comics, but I love the movies, and I'm like, no, 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 I totally get it. That there's far more money. That's why uh, you can go to D23 as I just did, and there's a huge, huge Marvel booth, and you cannot find a comic book unless they give it away at a panel. Like, there's no place to buy comics at D23 Expo. You can buy a lot of other things, including makeup. Um, I mean, you know, just, uh, you know, cosmetics. Can I? Can I? You can. Uh, if you make a reservation at 6 a.m. to get into the store, uh-huh. the correct one you want. Uh, uh, that's a, d- a different story, which I'll write up eventually, um, once I've recovered from the strain. Uh, you know, but it's clear that both... Well, Warner Brothers Discovery sometimes doesn't even know what they have. But, you know, that both for a long time, I hate to say it, but this is true. DC and Marvel exist as comic book companies to generate ideas that can be transcribed, you know, translated there, elsewhere. There are certainly worse ways to make movies. Yeah, you know, oh, no, a- absolutely. You know, so that's why I, I mean, I tell this coworker, it's like, it's okay. I know far more people have watched, uh, you know, Iron Man, or as I was schooled on a Facebook group this week, saw Thor Love and Thunder that read, then read any of the runs of Thor comics that they were based on, you know, so, and I I just, I'm not mad about it, this is what we lived for, you know, what we hoped would happen, I I, I don't know, we've said that before, but, you know, yeah, they're going to save the IP, but but Roos is like, other than they might change the name, uh, just because people with ruse, ruse, how to pronounce it, you know, I mean, it's a joke in clerks, for gosh sakes, way back when, how to pronounce that word. Um, and, but the concept is brilliant and yeah. could easily be done. And if you want to taste for it, for, uh, there's a novel series which also has a graphic novel from Titan that is similar. Uh, because it is kind of steampunky and magical at the same time, right? And that is uh, George Mann's Newbury and Hobbes series. So if you haven't read that, um, I, I think, Rick, that you would very much enjoy. It's kind of along the lines, you know, and every case is the fate of the of the Empire rests on whatever right. this this character is, uh, what Newbery is, is doing. And, you know, just as Archer was. Um, so, yeah, I love that. And I would say I'm, I'm going to sneak in, a, a, you know, two cross gens into one. Disney bought cross gen because they thought that this fantasy series by James DeMattei, Mateus and Mike Plug, Abadazad, would make a great something and they did three books they even did two printings with weren't they hardback they were hardcover yeah because they wanted because they thought it would be it would break into some of that sweet sweet harry potter money Uh uh-huh and because it's about a girl in a magical land and blah 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 you know it's like an oz pastiche with eastern mysticism because my god jm day mateus can't shake it i mean it's great you know there is a writer who puts 
clearly the concerns that he has into everything he writes, and it's it's great. Um, they didn't sell particularly well. Disney thought it was the covers, and these were novelization, or they were novels uh, continuing the story. And so they put different covers on them, still didn't sell very well, and it just kind of went away. But, you know, if you can find those, good Lord. You've got Mike Plug's art, which is fantastic. You, you know, you've got De Mateus in a very personal story for children and you know I'd, I'd love to see it come back and actually he and I have talked a couple of times every few years you know it, it, it comes back up that no nothing's happening you know because it's the project one of the projects he would love to go back to but my absolute favorite truly out of CrossGen was uh, Route 666 because it was everything I, I love. A, a, a planet like Earth in the 50s uh, with a, a teen girl who discovers that there are monsters in the world. They might actually be aliens. So it combines pretty much every drive-in movie into one big you know, horror story that she's trying to get out of. And like most of the really you know, good cross-gen books, you know, they, they never finished because the company went bankrupt. Yeah, yeah. And when when Marvel brought things back, it was a reboot. Which like, is, you know, you know Roos was brought back for a six issue miniseries, and it wasn't the same. It was a rethinking of it and restarting of it. Yeah. And you know, anyway, yes, go ahead. Okay, I promised twelve year old Rick that I would bring this one up because he has been pining for it ever since this book was canceled after two issues. And that is Brother, Brother Power, Power the, the Geek. Geek. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm looking at the cover right now, and I remember I, I, I remember seeing this on the spinner rack, and it's only recently that I've realized what, uh, where this appeal came to me again because it starts off with. If we look at Brother Power, the the picture. If you look up a picture of Brother Power, he's basically a rag doll. He's like a, like a raggedy Andy doll in full full I, size. I was going to say. So is this getting to a childhood trauma? Like, no, no, no. But if you look brother at Brother Burns, your raggedy Andy doll. If you look at the first issue, he's like on the street, and he's he's obviously distressed. He looks like he's soaked in water. He looks like like Swamp Thing. He he looks. He looks, and he's being run down by motorcycles, <laughs> and it's got this great the the thing that lives and fights for its soul. I mean, all, that's all that 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 muck monster. And, and we should say Alan Moore later pulled him into the Swamp Thing mythos. He was the yeah. doll elemental. Yeah. So, but twelve year old Rick doesn't care about that. This was just like one of those books when when twelve year old Rick was going to the store, he was had to be very choosy about what he picked up. And the idea that after the second issue he could not find any more, and it was it was never explained to him that it got canceled. He didn't find out until years later that it actually it wasn't just that he hadn't looked hard enough that that it, there were no more issues. I, so, I like that on your birthday we are yeah. <laughs> we are exploring your inner child and trying to to heal the wounds. Yeah, yeah. So that's so right in with your therapy suggestions for Rick. Uh, yeah. But I, I think, you know, it would just, if we just have a conversation sometime just about those Joe Simon books. When, that, what, you know, it's not Joe Simon, it's just Joe Simon. It's like Steve Ditko, the late 60s, because we both named things from it, right? Imperial yeah. 5, 
uh, Brother Power the Geek, uh, I would say because it's never really been done well. Never again, reprinted. Everybody, everybody tries to make these things grim and gritty. They yeah. try, you know, they try to just it is like uh, the Creeper. Uh, oh, the Creeper was another I've, one. I, yeah, I, I've never been happy with the Metamorpho revival because they keep, keep thinking they need to make him tougher, and like everybody loses the charm. Uh, although I think if you want to find some of the charm of these books, uh, I believe DC did gather all the issues of first issue special yeah. into one into one yeah, article. That'll have a, that'll have some. Yeah, there's some Joe. Well, the, the green team is in there. That's Joe Simon. Yeah. Uh, the Dingbats of da- of Danger Street. Uh, those are that's a Jack Kirby creation. Kind of the intent. Both of those trying to bring back the boy. I want to say boy bands. The boy groups that uh, that Simon and Kirby together modern did so news brilliantly. newsboy region and yeah. region and the uh, boy Young, commandos. Yeah, boy commandos, uh, you know, which also have great hardcover collections of, yeah. of that sweet seeds work individually they both were free to i mean these were middle-aged men trying to make sense of what was happening in the world in the late 60s early 70s for the youth can we close can we close this out with just a quote from the cover sure that that i i I can't think there's a better way to sum up what you just said as far as middle-aged men trying to make sense of what was going on with youth because there's a there's a circular tag on the bottom right cover of bottom right of the first issue cover. It says, "Here is the real life scene of the dangers in Hippie Land." Yeah, there you go. Cool, Dad. Yeah. So so they're, like, they're using it. They're using the appeal of of the hippie to sell the. It's almost like chip tra- uh, clip chip tracks. The the uh, the the ones the the little magazines that told you that Dungeons and da- Dragons was dangerous. Oh, or chick tracks, no, chick yes. tracks, yeah, chick yeah. tracks, yeah, Jack. It's the same chick. kind of same kind of. Uh, no, I, you know, but I, to to say the thing is, you know, and this has been covered really well. You can find articles on this on the internet all over the place. You know that, uh, particularly by Mark Evanier, that in the sixties, the the powers that be at DC realized they were getting outsold by Marvel. And they absolutely did not understand why. And so they created a bunch of books. They were throwing a lot of things at the wall to see what would stick that are just insane because they were responding to what they thought was happening at Marvel. And so that's how you get characters like Eclipso and and Metamorpho and the Inferior Five, Angel and the Ape. They're just you know, why aren't the kids buying these books? You know, <laughs> sure, Ditko, let's let you do something. You created Spider-Man. They were looking for a Spider-Man, and they got the Creeper. And, you know, it's just... Hey, the Creeper, the first Creeper, that was awesome. No, I, I, I love I, the Creeper. Loved That's it. what I'm saying, yeah. I, is that I would love a revival of the Creeper that yeah. gets back to what it is. And every time you say something like that, and they say, we're going back to the roots, mm. they're still... You can't approach these characters with irony. You really can't. No, no. They're, they're, it's always, yes, we'll bring them back, but we'll tell the real story. Right. And I just, no. No. It's like it's like how my dream of a Bond film. Go back to the 60s and make the Bond film that I thought I was watching when I was seven. You know? Um, which is basically Johnny Quest. But, you know, just... just <laughs> 
just do it, you know. I because I even even when I was watching Johnny Quest, I knew oh, Johnny Quest was definitely James Bond for kids. Yeah, I, I knew that, and so you know, and I, I grant you, Austin Powers pretty much sent it up, but now it's come back. Do it new, do it. So anyway, uh, I guess it goes to me to yeah. maybe something. If you uh, don't have one, I've got two for you. That I yeah, know. let me just let me just uh, horn in on your conversations. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. No, here's these are two that I expect I expected you to bring up. The first was a more recent book, um, and I only just found out. I I somehow I'd st- I had put it on my poll list after you recommended it. And I think I read the first two issues, but apparently it was canceled not too short not too shortly after that. The second coming. No, the second coming is a, a series of miniseries. Oh, is it? So there's two. There are two. Uh, they keep promising a third uh, miniseries. Uh, it's a Hoy Comics, which is harder to find. You're quite right. Okay. Uh, but uh, although, I, you know, I got to say the thing is, this is like canceled TV shows. You know, I, I, I really admire reading. Uh, and Mark Russell is like, I know somebody's making the joke as the political satirist. No, Mark Russell, the comic book writer, is uh, does use his platform for satire, but uh, is everything he writes is worth reading. Um, it, it just one hundred percent because I, I have yet to read something bad from him. But um, they are admirable in that the story finishes, and if it were to continue, great. But if it ends there, it's okay yeah no that's a that's a good point yeah. just, just imagine yeah. uh, oh, especially if they had time like the good place oh know. yeah i know and you're right no you're there again that's one i just uh i just oh i i just you know powered through mythic quest on on apple and and both seasons were like oh you know if they had stopped there i'd be satisfied yeah uh, for me, the king of that, if you find it on, I think maybe it's Hulu, um, is The Grinder with Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. Um, hmm. It it stumbles a couple times in a, in, a, in a little bit of a too long season, but ends so perfectly that I was like, oh, I wish there was a season two, but I'm also kind of glad there isn't because they ended on just that perfect note. Yeah. You know? And so, I, you know, do we then move on to books that overstayed their welcome? Well, let's. I've got one more that I thought you would have brought up by now. Give me one more. Because and I, I, I left it off my list because I was sure you were going to say it, and that's ambush bug. Okay, so I thought about that. Okay. Um, and I think now, for whatever reason, there they think that there's more humor in ambush bug. Um, being frustrated that he can't get a book. Uh, okay. Because if you subscribe to DC Infinite, um, DC Comics Infinite, there is a, there is a series that he hosts that uh-huh. where like they basically take uh, what do you call them file stories and you know, things that they had done and then for whatever reason editorial direction changed <laughs> there was another crisis the story no longer applied but it stood well on its own so there's like six issues of this thing where every issue he is into this vault uh, and it might be from the called from the vault and he's going in and finding the story so it, it and then complaining like can't there be one from me you know uh-huh. can i come back uh 
So that's the role he plays. He's almost like this lame comedic. They've relegated him to being a lame comedic uh, crypt keeper uh, or a vault keeper because it's the DC vault. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see uh, along those lines. I'd I'd bring ambush back in kind of a brave and the bold format, where each oh, each yeah. issue it's a different hero that he's playing off of. Like I'm going to suggest a crossover that I just hit me uh, today uh, because I have read. I think uh, you know there's a brilliant comics crossover between IDW and DC, which was uh, uh, Star Trek and uh, the Legion of Superheroes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely think that um, Lower Decks and the Legion of Substitute Heroes should have a crossover. <laughs> That'd be fun, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, not but because that's getting a comic book now from IDW, so it's a, it's been in my mind. But my fear with Ambush Bug is it's almost like it's better left because I think Keith Giffen no longer has fun. I don't think Keith Giffen's right for it anymore. Uh, well, but I, but but to me, it's one of those characters that I am afraid. If I mean, like the, that original series, you know, to to give the the background is uh, Robert. Oh, what was the name of the writer he was working with? Um, but basically, it it was it was it, competition it, between the two of them. Right? They were they were basically even and most readers didn't get this they were making fun of the marvel method like it was a challenge to to see who could screw the other one up more right with a script versus artwork where suddenly like randomly there's an elephant chasing ambush bug in a panel and it's up to the writer robert lauren fleming i knew i'd i'd get it if i could if i thought of it long enough um robert lauren fleming then had to justify why there was suddenly an elephant charging right and you know it and it even, was uh, yeah. yeah i i i wouldn't go there i mean uh, there was plenty of fun ambush bug before that 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 well but i'm saying it. and that and yeah. that was keith giffen before he got darker yeah. too and i understand I, I i get it you know um that uh like i still think probably my absolute favorite uh was uh, ambush bug story was that ambush bug and the legion of Su- substitute heroes yeah. the the mini series that are all uh reprinted in showcase are fun i think they need uh black you know they need color uh i loved uh they did revive it like what he, 12 years ago he got another mini series uh but it, it just had lost its heart so yeah. there are some that i i would just say as much as i love these runs or these characters I'm okay. Uh, I'd love to see ambush bug make, I mean, he was part of, he's part of the DC universe game, uh, MMORPG. Um, so, you know, I'd love to see him show up in a, in a series, some in a TV series or in a movie, like just have the guts. To, I think he was on the Batman brave and the bold cartoon. So, uh, I think he was, and, yeah. And weirdly enough, I don't think I've actually seen that one. But um, for being a, for, for loving that that character so much. But again, it's like I got to say this, you know, it's like Howard the Duck. That was lightning in a bottle, right place, right time, right attitude. Um, and every attempt, Chip Zdarsky came really close to capturing why it was popular. Uh, his humor was was good that last run, but you know. 
the sometimes it's okay that the original creators are the ones who do it right and they've moved on. Yeah. No, the the Batman Brave and the Bold was it was a series finale. And that's I have it, seen it then. Yeah. It was also show. it also had Batmite in it. Yeah, but Batmite appeared elsewhere in the series too. Yeah. So it was a re a reappearance. Yeah. yeah. But the the I I I thought ambush bug because you know we've got She Hulk right now doing fourth wall so DC's going to need to have somebody to do fourth wall breaking as well and who who who's better than that for fourth wall breaking in the DCU um, well I guess Psycho Pirate but it's absolutely psycho when he does so. yeah yeah so before we go to the ones that are overstayed perhaps or that yeah. I feel weird about um, I did want to mention two books from Atlas Comics. And Atlas Comics, everything got canceled. After basically. four issues. Yeah. And the two that I would bring back from from Atlas, one, I, I suspect you never read this one. It was Planet of the Vampires. Uh, which was, no, I did not. Uh, it, was, it was a Planet of the Apes take with on astronauts coming back to Earth that's been taken over by vampires. Um, and like most of these, it had a terrific Neil Adams cover. Uh, and then I think inside it was Pablo Marcos doing the art. I Some could be wrong on talent. that. Some decent talent. It was, yeah. a, it was a, a company started as a screw you to Marvel. Because yeah. it was the former owner of Marvel who'd gotten forced out by new uh, owners. Yep. I'm going to blow the, your mind. Yeah? Uh, do an Amazon search. Because I have on my, I have this little end table of books that I need to read. Uh, I picked up two novels. And... Uh, they're published by a group called Nemesis Group Incorporated. So one novel is called Digging Dirt, Seeking the Bog Beast. The other is called Target, T-A-R-G-I-T-T. And the sub-grouping of these novels is a series called Atlas Originals. So all of them have been huh. novelized and no one noticed. Really? <laughs> so you can get them on Amazon. I'm pretty sure they're print-on-demand. Um, so I bought a couple just to see, and uh, I think Planet of the Vampires is one of them. That, oh, that's great. That has been novelized. You know, because a few years ago, somebody, I think it was Sony, uh, bought the IP. And, like, somebody did a great boondoggle and said, don't you worry, everybody's, you know, it was about... Oh, they're, they're it was on before, Kindle, too. It was before the world saw Justice League. And... <laughs> And, and everybody was trying to get their universe. And so somebody said, like, oh, Atlas is in play. So they all, you know, so somebody bought some studio, made a deal to get all the all the Atlas properties. So there are novelizations trying to, you know, bring them back. But these books are already uh, two years old. And I only bought them a couple of months ago. So, you know, I, I, I don't think they made an impact. But... There was some really good talent on there. You yeah, know. Uh, the uh, the other book from Atlas that I wanted to bring up, which the talent in this just blows me away, and I know you're not a big Chaikin fan. No, I am a big Chaikin fan. Okay. Uh, I will accept the Chaikin can at times be problematic. Um, Scorpion by who, Chaikin. Who became Dominic Fortune at Marvel. But, but before that, um, we didn't have comics that were doing period pieces from like the early like the 1920s 30s kind of style um 
and, and things that were really kind of pre uh, Rocketeer mm-hmm. uh, in yeah, comics. Absolutely, yeah. And this absolutely captured the feel of that and gave us a swashbuckling character, no powers. He had an his card. I remember his card specifically had a picture of Scorpion, Scorpion on it, and it had um, oh, it wasn't he had a one word. It wasn't consultations; it was commissions, I think. Um, But it was just I I just loved the character, Uh, Chaikin, Wrightson, Simonson, because it was the Krusty Bunkers. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So great art too, and my. My problem with when they, they brought it over pretty much unchanged in some of the black and white books um, at Marvel. I'm trying to remember which ones that, that were more anthology uh, mm-hmm. black and whites. And then they decided uh, the the last few appearances that I can recall uh, of Dominic, Dominic Fortune, they decided it'd be fun to make him an older guy. That he's no longer the spry young Dominic Fortune. Oh, yeah, he he's, showed up in a Marvel team up. He was with uh, Spider Man. Yeah. In, in well, I mean, that, that was it because yeah. they wanted to give Dominic Fortune a boost. Yeah. Put him in with Spider Man, and the only way to logically do that is he's old. Yeah. You know. But I loved that book. I, I that that was uh, another another one that um, I, I remember. All I picked up all the Atlas books when they came up because they were all just like written for me. And then they were all gone. Yeah, four. I think four issues was the longest run that happened. Yeah, I think that's that's right. I mean, I think Claw may have had the longest, and Claw may be the one that's had the. Do you mean Do you mean Iron or, Jaw? I, Iron Jaw. Iron Jaw. Claw the Unconquered was a DC fantasy. Yeah, it was DC. Yeah, yeah. That only lasted two issues. But yeah. right, right, right. Oh, he's, but he's come back in. Um, yeah, he's been all over the Wonder place. Woman. He was yeah. in Justice League Dark. Um, yeah, you know so. Uh, you know, I think that it, it would, I, because you mentioned Chaikin, there's one I just want to call out that I just want a collection. It should not come back. I mean, you know, for, but we should be able to get a really nice omnibus, first of all, because damn you for addicting me to buying omnibuses. Oh. But, uh, you know, and, and I need a very strong bookshelf uh, that um, we need an American flag. I was I was just talking about this with David Avaloni at Comic-Con. And we were just joking about how, like, how ahead of its time in the '80s, not just in storytelling, which it, granted it was, it was, right. it was like, what the hell is this book? Um, but how prescient it is, and you know, I think we, I think that the satire, political satire of American flag in the '80s is would be as fresh today as uh, you know, as it Probably. as it was then which is frightening quite honestly how much of what he uh, predicted kind of came true and for those who don't know the series and and i every couple of months i go on to amazon and ebay and i go like what would it cost to recreate you know rebuild my collection or too much um even to get a trade paperback or there was there was an omnibus like 15 years ago uh, you know, it's yeah. it's uh, about this TV it star. It was volume one of a planned omnibus series. I did pick that up, but they never they didn't complete it. Uh, I didn't think so. Dang it! So yeah. you know, it, it's uh, it's an actor who uh, on the Mars colony was the star of this big action series. They replace him with CG basically, um, and before we really dreamed that could be, 
and uh, you know, and so he was busted back to Earth and became a cop. And where, of course, the corporations are tightly controlling and drugging the uh, the populace and creating uh, and, and doing subliminal messaging to keep people violent and fighting with each other. Yeah. Gee, I, I, I it has no resonance in 2022. No, 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 no. I think it's a it's a warning for things to come. Uh, uh, well, no, dude, they're they're here. The only thing we know, don't know, have, although I've seen photos that say maybe, is we don't have cat talking cats with uh, with mechanical hands. But that's just a matter of days. So yeah, yeah. So uh, should we move into the 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 square pegs in the round hole here? Yeah, yeah. Um, books that I was going. I'm I'm going to I'm going to come up with a preamble for this on the fly because. There is there is probably one of the most successful uh, series of all time, as far as meeting what the creator said he was going to do, but also hated by many many people for very good reasons. And if one thing had not happened, well, it's probably a little more than does one thing. Does it begin with a C? It does become with begin with is a C. Is it about an Earth pig born? It was it was a misspelling that created a, a title for a book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cerebus. Cerebus the Aardvark. Cerebus the Aardvark, which had Dave Sims not had a horrific, from all from all points of view, horrific uh, divorce with his partner and wife, uh, midpoint in the series, midpoint, I think? Midpoint, yeah, yeah. Um, that book might have been... A valued treasure on all all point all points. And and I, look, I I don't want to besmirch anybody who because he's still reprinting the phone books, etc. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, there was some good stuff there, but I I don't feel a need to ever revisit it. I think I did sell all my copies. Uh, no, I take that back because I I did find trades in a box of uh, Swords of Cerebus. The you know so the reprints yeah. gathering it together, but. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing I'd say, though, is maybe it's one of those two that if you reread those early issues, they might not be as good as we remember. Or they were good at the time, but the jokes have moved on. You know, some of the jokes, some of the jokes have gone, have, have moved on. Um, I'm I am blanking right now on the uh, it's not. No, the 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 first the first arc of that is strict is pretty much a a mocking of Conan the Barbarian. Yes, in Marvel Comics, with some side trips into uh, Moon Knight and uh, some other characters, uh, yeah, Spider Man. I think the, with, is the, with the Roach, yes, who right. then became everything. These Wolf right. Roach. Uh, I can't remember what else he was. But right, yeah. right. So the second arc in that. Stands. I've reread this several times, and I think it still stands. It's High Society, and High Society that, was brilliant. High Society, I think, holds its holds its water today. I even think the Church and State is a good commentary on on a number of things. Um, we get into uh, we get into some of the later stuff. Uh, he became obsessed. I think is a fair term by the works of Oscar Wilde. 
uh, Ernest mm-hmm. Hemingway, yeah. uh, Woody Allen, and his his comics turned into uh, illustrated prose novel, serialized prose novels that were difficult reading. I'll, I'll just put it that way. No, I, I, mean, I that's uh, I stayed with that far longer than I think I really wanted to, but yeah. I was hoping to. And this is before I really knew. I mean, the other thing we should call out is that when these horrible things were happening in his personal life. Um, and when I say horrible, look, I, you know, I, I've been through, uh, the pain of a marriage falling apart. And yeah. I know that there are no heroes or villains. It's just two people in pain, even when it's probably for the best. And, you know, so I don't ever judge either side of that. It's how you respond. No. And I think his response was what I found problematic. But we didn't know that. You know, all you got when when Cerebus was at its heyday and starting to melt down is we had two, three magazines, you know. I mean, we had Amazing Heroes. Um, and this is before even, you know, Wizard. Right. So we had Amazing Heroes. We had right. Comics Scene. Um, and, you know, these were monthly things. Uh, and there was the Comics Journal. I think maybe that one was weekly. But right. uh, that's still not what it is, you know, like today. You can just go, burr, 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 and, you know, everything everybody does. That was the sound of a browser. Yeah, well, it was, <laughs> it's also the sound of, of Rich Johnston um, culling, uh, and I say this with affection for Rich, at Bleeding Cool, just culling all the tweets of creators. You know, right. like I just reprinted to something uh, from a Facebook post by uh, we had Christian Gossett on a few months ago on the podcast. And. Every time I ask a creator for permission to reprint something, I I get the feeling it's like I'm the only one who actually asks, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're so touched. Like, of course. Oh, thank you. Know? <laughs> you Let know? me know when you do it. Yeah, the implication yeah. is thanks for not just stealing it. I I don't know, but you know, yeah. uh, I mean, you go to Bleeding Cool and there's all these articles are like creators react to, and it's just a he just puts in a tweet 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 uh, a tweet feed. I, so um, what I what I was going to say was the this was probably a, a I think it's still pre what we think of today as the internet uh, but a pre-internet version of don't read the comments because one of the things it, people who buy the the um, who buy the phone book collections as they're called uh, will not be reading the letters section. But from the early issues, uh, Sim was was responding to almost every letter that was that was sent to him, and to the fact that some of the books are like half letters pages. You're right; those got out of control. Um, and and he and that was really where he, I, I would say, not only did his audience start to turn on him, and definitely argued with him in those in that forum. But I wouldn't be surprised if he would have been a better person if he hadn't been responding or hadn't been taking letters and, and may not have been made to defend his positions. Can I, so can I tell a, a true Hollywood story at this moment? Uh, because we, you certainly we, can. We, Do we have music for the intro there? Uh, that's, uh, you're the producer. Uh, okay. So uh, that's up to you. Uh, Derek's true Hollywood story, or maybe parties at Cardi Angelo's house is better. But uh, 
I didn't really note that a few weeks ago, uh, or a few months ago now, I guess, um, Ron Zimmerman passed away. Uh, and he was a stand-up comic, and he created... He's kind of responsible for Zendaya. Uh, stardom is that he uh, created a show for Disney uh, called Kicking It that was uh, Zendaya's first big uh, starring role uh, on, on the Disney Channel. But he was a stand-up, and he's infamous in comics because he wrote... Uh, because Bill Jamis and Joe Casada brought him in in the beginning of of the uh, of the 21st century to write a Spider-Man meets Jay Leno crossover that showed up in every Marvel comic published for like three months, and wrote the Rawhide Kid, in which the uh, great art by John Severin, and the Rawhide Kid was uh, very very flaming if we can still say that, you know, homosexual, something that had never been really, maybe it was, uh, you know, subtext in the original comics. I don't think I've read that many original Rawhide Kid stories, maybe one or two. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's, it's just, he talked like Paul Lynn, I, or rather Rawhide Kid did. So it was very controversial. And uh, he basically got chased out of comics. Hmm. And he was chased, and so I met him at a party, and so not. I mean, it, he's w- woven in and out of my life a couple of times. One is that uh, that he was also in Sparks, the one movie I appear in, uh, or the one big uh, budget movie that I appear in, uh, based on the graphic novel I edited, and he played a character in it. And uh, our paths did not cross then, but we were at this party, and he was telling me the advice that Joe Casada had given him that he wished he had ignored, or that he hadn't ignored, but he did ignore, which is don't engage in the chat rooms. Yeah, and that's why, because he, you know, he was he was a snarky stand-up, pretty funny guy, uh, by the accounts of of uh, we have many mutual friends um, that. You know, he was super fast, super smart, super snarky, crazy. And those days were heady. You just didn't know. You were in the Wild West, the frontier, right? So sometimes, yeah. you know, like I encourage people, please, to write in. And I always say, be respectful. I always, when someone has sent me an angry email or a comment, I try to engage in a positive way. And most of the time people get it and just go like, okay, you know, yeah, I understand. Um, but... At that time, it was, you know, yeah, I think Dave Sim just got antagonistic. And if you get antagonistic, I can't think of a creator in comics who can afford to be known as, I should say. There may be some that are, if I can use the word assholes, there may be some. Um, but they're not known as assholes. Right. And if they, but as soon as you have that perception, it you're, colors your impression. You're kind of gone. People are not that yeah. interested. I there yeah. are a few exceptions, maybe that have, um, you know, are involved in the comic skate movement, and that's just a you know a feedback loop of animosity. So that works, but uh, I won't name any of them. But you know, it, it's um, there. That's my you know said true Hollywood story that it was one of those things that I was like I wanted to imagine what had happened if this talented writer who was pushing boundaries and pushing buttons you know hadn't been basically Marvel said we can't give you any more work we just can't risk it anymore it was a short but (laughs) impactful run I think he did uh, one of those that ultimate book 
that was a, a parody of uh, Batman, part of Bill Jamis's challenge to Peter David. I can't think of the name of it, but it was the we- uh, Minky and the Weasel or something like that. I don't know. Um, I don't remember it. So he did, you know, he wrote a couple of things more, but but it was definitely, yeah. Anyway, oh, well, there's one so that should cl- be left. This, if you don't remember so it, to, that's okay. So to close on Cerebus, the other thing I wanted to mention was, I mean, I hinted at it earlier, 300 issues uh, ending up with the death of the main character, everything that Sim said he was going to do. Um, and from early on, it wasn't from the first issue on, but from early on, he was smart enough to team up with Gerard. Gerard, yeah. And Gerard was doing all the backgrounds. Yeah. And Sim was doing the foregrounds. And together, the worst of those pages are just beautiful to look at. The the There are scenes, there's a whole whole run of issues where Cerebus is is basically traveling through other dimensions and it's just astonishing. If you don't try and try to figure out what's going on, the, the art is, is like Peter Max, only, only Peter Max combined with, with, uh, Neil Adams. Yeah. I mean, beautiful, beautiful stuff, but I mean, it's ironic in some way you can say like, you know, from the beginning, it was always said that, you know, Cerebus got a prediction that he was going to die alone and essentially so did the book. Yeah. You know, he accomplished his 300 issues, which if he hadn't turned into, you know, um, I don't know. I don't want to slander because I, I don't know truly what right. goes on in this guy's head. You know, um, I admired him for a long time and I stopped admiring him. But he really, you know, he got me into Oscar Wilde. You brought that up. You know, that yeah. was a character. And I was like, suddenly I read The Importance of Being Earnest and started reading other things and going, wow. You know, and, and I was an English major and in, in, in college, and I believe that was the time I was reading the Hemingway stuff. Oh, well, all all of all, all of that, you know, I came later. I was reading the I was reading Cerebus in high school, and then when I got to an, you know, it's one of those things like the embarrassing moment uh, in a Shakespeare class when I hadn't yet read Hamlet and went, oh, this is strange brew. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the reversal. You go, oh, that's who that character is in Cerebus. That was Oscar Wilde. I did yeah. not know. You know, so, um, yeah. yeah. So I'd say there are, to me, there are books that, yeah, just uh, that uh, are best left in the past or, uh, you know, like I said, like I, you get the Howard the Duck omnibus or the, the, the Marvel Treasury, whatever the those ten issue hardbacks they're doing those with Howard the Duck now too. Those original Gerber things they're best in their time, and yeah. you know, and that's how I feel like now that I I did in preparation for the movie, uh, power through everything written, uh, every appearance before the movie came out of Eternals, and how Jack Kirby's original run should be in its own. You know, it should just be on its own and. It, it didn't, you know, people's complaints about the movie uh, are about Jack Kirby would have complained. He yeah. didn't want it to connect to the Marvel Universe. And, you know, I, I think Neil Gaiman's revival was was a good story. But, you know, yeah. I mean, which does bring up to me that that the the book I always the unfinished book that I really wanted to see the ending to is happening now. Finally, finally, finally. And there's you know articles all over Fanboy Planet uh-huh. about Miracle Man coming back because yep. that absolutely, you know, and I and I think um, there's another thing I, I, I'd say things that I wish, you know, you can call me the cranky old man, but 
I wish we hadn't tried to modernize some heroes. Like, I don't want to see a Doc Savage in 2022. And I, I have come to accept that as, as fun as the movie was, Shazam, Billy Batson and Captain Marvel work in the 40s. And my beloved Plastic Man maybe works best in the 40s. And only Jack Cole really, because he created him, got it. Many people have tried since. I think some yeah. writers have done some, have come close. It's again like saying with Chip Zdarsky and Howard the Duck. And those are only things that I hold close because I reread, you know, I read those books over and over and over. Like, you know, you have time to reread in the the 70s and 80s, you know, or whatever, when you're a kid and you right. only have a few comics, you read those yes. to death. And yes. Howard the Duck was that way, you know, so, and Plastic Man. Um, yeah, so... I, I don't know if I could think of anything else that I wished, uh, but I, I do want to call out as a recommendation for something you can get right now. Um, and I'm sure you picked it up, so this is just for listeners. So Abrams Books, which is this art book publisher that also has done like graphic, no really high-end graphic novel adaptations of great science fiction novels, uh, nonfiction. I, can you call them graphic novels if they're nonfiction? You know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, gra yes. Graphic memoirs, uh, whatever. Um, well, it's a novel. Yeah, it's I still call it. Yeah, 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 I guess. I, I mean, the, 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 uh, oh, the one about the bridge. Um, oh, God, now I can't remember. Two-volume uh, civil rights movement. Oh, March? Yeah, March. Three volumes. Three volumes. Yeah, and then there's Run, which I think is two volumes. That's the kind of the sequel. Those are graphic. Yeah, those yeah, are yeah. Definite. No, okay, I'll count yeah. them. So anyway, they started, uh, you know, because Disney has figured out that it's cheaper if you're going to publish things, it's cheaper to license those out <laughs> <laughs> than to actually make you know, spend the money on editorial. I think it's actually Ike Perlmutter, but in this case, we we all won. Uh, Marvel Arts is this new promised new line of high end graphic novels. So we started talking about Death of Captain Marvel, the first Marvel graphic novel. Uh, Alex Ross uh, just released a couple of weeks ago Fantastic Four Full Circle, and it is the inaugural book in the Marvel Arts Still in the series. shrink wrap. <laughs> okay, well, I took it out of the shrink wrap, and you're going to want to, too. Oh, because yeah. Because this is all penciled and inked. It's not painted. And it looks like every great artist of on Fantastic Four in the '60s and so Kirby, and you see here and there touches of Joe Sinat, and um, I'm trying to think of other maybe Rich Buckler. You know, there were some great great artists. It looks like all of them poured into a blender, and the best of them coming out. And then it's but it's obviously Alex Ross, and yeah. it is a, a sequel to uh, a. A very classic uh, Lee and Kirby Fantastic Four story in the '60s that is one of those like you you name it if you know it and you name it everybody knows what it is. And as I was reading this, I was like, really, no one had dared touch this story in let's quickly do the math fifty years, you know, or, or forty five years. I don't remember what year the, the original came out, but um, it's, I mean, you can, I'm sure, Rick, that you can guess from the cover which story it is, uh, but it, no one bothered sequelizing it. I, I shouldn't say bothered. I just, can't, when I say bothered, I can't believe when every last piece of an IP is mined and picked and, you know, looks like, uh, 
yeah, there's just like nothing left. Alex Ross found the something and he found a gold nugget and polished it. And it is almost as powerful as that original story. And, uh, and it kind of, it's kind of like, I finished this and went, I, I wonder if Alex Ross would, would mind just doing an annual fantastic four story continuing his own strange little continuity with this because it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. And I know a lot of great creators have worked on fantastic four and some great stuff has been done. And, you know, and that's the thing. There are some characters like fantastic four that new creators can come to and find something new, you know, and, 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 and in new formats, because like, I just realized, you know, Marvel's also running a series of, <clears throat> scripted podcasts which in my day we called audio dramas or radio (laughs) dramas but now they're scripted podcasts that's because podcasts are cool Uh, well we are (laughs) i I can't tell you how often i'm recognized on the street i have to tell you just from your voice i have been recognized in the theater from my voice from the podcast that is true um at cinequest and uh so yes and, the um, I, before we go too far from it, the original story that this takes up from, I've said many times, was the first comic book I went out and spent my own money on. And I would say this is it, it is uh, I was only playing coy because Cardi Angelo, when it came out, posted on the Earth Two Facebook page like it's a sequel to a story. And if you and if you know me, you can guess which one and why I'm this excited. I'm like, well, of course, because he even has the T-shirt. Like, t-shirt, yeah. That says this man, this monster. There, I revealed yeah. it. Which is a story that when I finally read this man, this monster after years of hearing uh, of seeing like the cover and not truly knowing what was on, you know, seeing random panels and books. And not truly knowing what was it, what it was about, it's like when I read it, I got chills. I'm like, the, no wonder that's a classic. The last Car Cast interview with Car yeah. D'Angelo uh, has a picture of Car in that T-shirt yeah, no. on the on the Fanboy Planet website. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I, I mean, and I see him in it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think it may be sort of like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had all these black turtlenecks in the closet. Uh, Car yeah. opens his closet. There's an entire row of this man, this monster T-shirts, all identical. Yes, exactly. And uh, so, if it isn't, it should be. It, it, this is true. I mean, I think we should re- revisit this from time to time because certainly there are series we'll probably think about and go, oh yeah, what about that one or this? And I and uh, you know, I again, two listeners. I know we took a two week break. Uh, Rick was at Worldcon. I was at D twenty three, and that's another reason. Uh, you know, maybe to follow us on Facebook if you can, or follow on Twitter because I did, you know, or on YouTube. I forgot to mention that, you know, they have a YouTube channel and put stuff up as well, trailers, comedy bits, um, and and interviews. But that I I I do when I realized uh, two weeks in the middle of Worldcon. Oh, I can't record the next week either, and we didn't even acknowledge this, you know. So uh, yeah. kind of keep that that out there. But uh, you know, so. Uh, I think we'll still be on on track for for next week. I think we're quiet on conventions for a, for a little bit, right? Um, well, uh, conventions maybe, but I've got a wedding and a I'm speaking at a conference <laughs> for t- so that's going to take the better part okay, of two so weeks. Okay, so absolutely fo- for the next two weeks. Uh, actually, starting uh, I think uh, I think we leave the week of October 
third. Okay, so we can finish out September, and then we'll yeah, take it. We'll finish September, and then we'll take a couple of weeks off because uh, yes. you know because uh, life and uh, that that does have to take precedence. And I am going to go to Denver, and I have Mile High Comics on my list of uh, of national monuments to see. Yeah, I would like to uh, to see Mile High, and I, I've got to say. Um, I'm going to do a follow-up because I just got offered a, an interview with the owners. And uh, so there is a store outside of Pasadena that I, I did go with my friend James Denning. I'm calling you out, James. I know you listen. And uh, it's called Revenge Of. That's all. That's the title of the comic book store. With uh, It is the cleanest comic book store I've ever got probably because it's fairly new I think it opened in January um, but they have already created a, a fantastic community it's actually outside of Pasadena it's in a, a little uh, I, I don't know suburb community called Glassell Park and so look it up I one address called it Eagle Rock and one then told said Glassell Park so I think I was there and uh, one part of the community is they have the sweetest pinball machine arcade in the back that I have ever seen in my life. Oh, they keep them clean. They hold competitions, uh, or you can just go and, you know, I mean, it's a far cry from when I was a kid and it was a quarter. Now it's a buck, but you get your tokens, you go and they've got snacks and then all summer long. And unfortunately I didn't get out for this. They <laughs> held like mini conventions in their huge parking lot because they're in the middle of kind of like it's an industrial area. So this huge parking lot and they held Lotzilla. So they had vendors <laughs> who, you know, were doing arts and crafts in, you know, with nerd influences and they just filled the parking lot and they had their back issues and they had all these other vendors and they had food trucks and they basically held a party every stum every weekend this summer, or maybe it was every other week. I don't know, but um, I've long said, you know, you got to find like Mile High is that it's 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 renowned in the country. You know, if you're a comic book fan, you got to find, or maybe you are the the retailer who is building that kind of fun community. You know, I think uh, what used to be our home base, Elusive Comics and Games much bigger space now and i know the pandemic you know <laughs> injured some businesses uh to say the least and and killed some businesses um but they seem to have recovered they're in this great big space and they got games and it's it, it's a beautiful spot and there are people that know comics and there are people that come and just to hang out and in the heat wave you know anna i i give her credit i saw this post you know was like look we're just gonna op stay open our, while our air conditioning works, come down here and play games for free. You know, had nights to just kind of like get out and beat the heat. And, you know, you got to be that kind of community. And so Revenge Of is a bit of a drive for me, but I'm, I, I, I'm going to make that effort on at least a quarterly basis because it was fun as heck to just go. Because there were things I didn't know. I didn't know there was a Deadpool pinball machine. Like there's a whole pinball culture oh. that, you know, I, I don't see because how often, where do you go yeah. that you yeah. see one? So then there's, and, and they rotate them out because I just saw a post. They said like, oh, we just got the new aliens machine. I'm like what? You know, <laughs> I have to go back. And, and, and I know they all kind of play the same, but 
they're st- it's still fun. Oh, they're they're fun. Yeah, yeah. They're, I I love pinball machines. That was my that was my job when I was in college. I, I was a manager of a pinball arcade. Um, on this note, tapping back a little bit, uh, we should call out to our good friend Neil Ferris, who has yes. retired from the comic business, and his store Hijinks was bought, and is now um, Heroes and Champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember the names of the guys that own Heroes and Champions. And I'm I feel bad. One of, because, badly. One of them I've known for literally decades. Um, well, like but, I, well, the, here's the irony, right? I, that honestly, originally, uh, I went to uh, when I moved back to the Bay Area from college. I went to the big guys in yes. Mountain View. Mm-hmm. Neil was the manager, yep. known as the chief. And so I've known Neil since 1989, 1990 maybe. Um, And then, you know, fall, I, of course, we, but it was bought basically when the big guy retired, he sold it to the guy, Phil, um, Phil Phil Schaefer, uh, that Phil uh, was the one who bought big guys. And then went into the comics collector shop in Sunnyvale. And then I, I, you know, I've moved away, so I've missed this change. Uh, that so, F- Phil Schaefer, when I was managing a pinball arcade called Merlin's Castle in El Paseo de Saratoga, Phil Schaefer was one of those kids who came in every day to play foosball. Uh, which uh, and, he, and he made it into a career. He, and then he, he did. Started, he started Heroes Comics, and uh, yeah, he had a he had at least pitched uh, a reality tv series it was doing a foosball competition yep. for like espn3 for a while uh something like that so, so yeah uh but this so is congratulations to neil yeah uh, he deserves retirement but he's been a giant in the bay area comic scene forever and um you know so again find that community you know granted Look, Rick and I have been around for a while. There's no pretending we haven't. We talked about a lot of books in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, <laughs> you know, and so the, but we knew these, you know, these people and now I'm lucky enough I, you know, that I found a new community down here. Uh, in, in uh, but I, I go to Sherman Oaks and that community was, you know, Carr and and his shop uh, Earth 2 Comics. And uh, but I occasionally go over to Golden Apple. I, I live near House of Secrets, which is also another great shop. And and uh, the Perky Nerd is kind of fun. Um, and, and we mentioned Neil Adams earlier. The Krusty Bunkers comic shop is down the a bit of a of a drive down the street from me. But you know it's there. It's a thriving industry. And uh, but what what will keep it alive is a thriving community. So do that so i know that as it's your birthday the family wants to take you out so i'm gonna you know wrap this up here and say uh of course once again thank you for listening and if you have any comments want to join the conversation uh, after the fact you know you write into editor at fanboyplanet.com and of course you know facebook twitter and instagram all fanboy planet i am derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboy planet And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use use your powers powers for good.
And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatluke.com.